Welcome to BR in Education. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another exciting episode of VR in Education. In today's episode, we take some time picking the mind of one of the creators of this wonderfully elegant, elegant puzzle game called Cubism. Thomas Van Bol is a Belgian slash Brazilian VR developer. He's based out of Brussels, and he's here today to talk to us about his award-winning app called Cubism. Welcome to the show, Thomas. Hey, Craig. Thanks for having me on. Now, normally I don't do well on last names. How did I do on a scale of 1 to 10 for your last name? <laughs> that, that was about a 7. That was, that was pretty good. <laughs> the the bowel is, is usually kind of weird. So That's that's good for a, me. I, I had one instance where I bet you I was a 1, so I'm getting okay. better. <laughs> that's, yeah. uh, I usually just, uh, I just say Thomas. <laughs> for most people, uh, you know, just to keep it simple. <laughs> There you go. How did you get interested in virtual reality in the first place? Mm-hmm. Um, so I actually come from a background in uh, architecture. Um, I studied architecture and engineering and uh, worked as an architect for about three and a half years. Um, and then VR was having this new wave, right? And, and I got really interested in how this could apply to, to my domain. Um, it seemed like VR could have a, a big impact in, in how buildings are designed, how how design could be a bit more human-centered um, and how it could make sort of the design process a bit more accessible. So in, uh, in 2016, I actually quit my job and uh, I sort of applied myself to, to learning how to develop VR apps. Uh, and so for a period of a few months, I just did every hackathon and every game jam, uh, which are these sort of events that happen over weekends where you build either a small prototype or a small video game. Um, so I tried to do as many of these events as possible to sort of learn the craft and learn from other people. Um, and this started to pay off. Like after a while, I actually uh, got an offer from uh, a company based in New York called uh, Inside VR. They're now called Resolve. But, um, and uh, yeah, I've been working for them uh, ever since. Um, but so this this period of transition was also sort of my introduction into video games. As I said, uh, uh, as I was learning VR, I was doing these game jams. Um, and it turns out that there's a lot of overlap between um, VR used in games and VR used for like enterprise uh, applications. So um, ever since I've sort of been slightly involved with uh, with uh, game developments because it's always a great way to to learn new techniques and to to know other people in the field. Well, I think you uh, hit a home run here with Cubism. Why don't you, uh, for the listeners out there who maybe aren't familiar with it yet, why don't you give us a quick synopsis synopsis about Cubism? <laughs> Yeah, sure. Um, so Cubism is a, a minimalist puzzle game in VR. Um, if you've ever played with uh, those wooden block puzzles where you put uh, pieces together to form a cube, it's the same principle, uh, except here the, the shapes start out very simple um, and become more and more complex as the game goes on. So it really sort of uh, applies to your spatial thinking. Mm. You know, I first saw the game on SideQuest and then was excited to see it in the Oculus Store. And in, in both those venues, it was highly rated. And many of the players commented on 
how relaxing the game is to play, which almost seems ironic when you're doing a puzzle game. Normally you think you'd get frustrated, but many, many said this game was very relaxing. Why do you think lots of people say that about your game? Um, I'm very happy people feel that way. It's, it's, it was definitely a design goal. Um, so the game is very minimalist. There's not much of an environment. Um, it's, it's just this sort of uh, white void and it's just you and the puzzle. Um, there's no time limits, no no pressure, no no leaderboards. Um, it's just you and a puzzle, and uh, and sort of uh, your will to solve it. Uh, there's there's some classical music that plays in the background, uh, some piano pieces by uh, especially Robert Schumann and Chopin. Um, that sort of you know helps you relax hopefully a little bit if the puzzle gets a little too hard. So there's very little pressure. It's really just. A uh, puzzle that you can solve for for the fun of solving puzzles. I think it's it's maybe sort of the same the same um, pleasure of like solving a Sudoku or a crossword puzzle. It's just like this um, a distraction for the brain, you know. So I think uh, I think people sort of pick up on that and uh, and find that that sort of relaxing, just something to sit down and, and think about. I have a one particular girl in my classroom. She comes in in the morning, and I have the VR headsets out and she actually kind of uses it as her way to kind of, you know, become mindful as the day starts. She's a high flying student who scores really well, but puts a lot of pressure on herself. And so I give her some choices of some different apps. One is nature treks, which is sort of this mindful environment, but lately she's, you know, you'll be happy to hear she's been picking cubism because I think she likes that intellectual challenge as well. But she, like I said, she finds that she can de-stress in it. So kudos to you guys. Oh yeah. Thank you. That's, that's really great to hear that, um, that, that helps her out. You know, some, some apps or many do have a, a story, they have a narrative and they kind of, that drives the application or the game. Was there ever a version in your mind for Cubism, maybe in the early days about it, that you should have a narrative kind of running in the background to give it this sort of theme, this story that many VR apps have? Um, it's something I, I uh, you know, thought about once I started the project, but actually from the start, um, it was sort of a decision to, to keep it simple. The, the very, very first version of Cubism um, was like a prototype I built over a, a day and a half in a weekend. Um, and it had all the elements of the game it has now. Like it was no environments. It was a simple puzzle. Um, and uh, like from the start, I knew I wanted to keep it simple for a few reasons. Um, like firstly, I, I was very fascinated by minimal games on mobile platforms. You know, things like um, Mini Metro or Monument Valley uh, a game called Trees is one I really enjoyed. Um, it's they're these games that can do a lot with very little. Um, and for somebody who was uh, doing a full time job but still wanted to make games, uh, sort of on the side, um, that sort of scope seemed like the right kind of scope for a game as like a personal project. And so I was uh, wondering like what minimal games like that could look like in VR. That's sort of what prompted the uh, Cubism. Um, so from the start, I wanted to keep it simple because that way I knew I would also be able to, to do it in my spare time and not, you know, work many, many years on it, um, <laughs> or, uh, uh, you know, go way into depth, like, uh, trying to, to build this game. Like it's keeping the game simple like this also kept it feasible for me as a, as a solo developer, making a game in my spare time. Yeah. And from an educator's perspective, 
you know, most of the teachers and then students, they marvel at the ease of use. The onboarding process is so easy. Uh, hopping in and allowing multiple kids in a class in and out of this application makes it perfect for a classroom that maybe only has one or two VR headsets, but you want lots of kids to expose it. So from your trials and testing, did you have kind of an average time that most people sort of stayed in cubism? Like, was there kind of a ballpark time limit that you sort of thought people would stick it out for a while? <laughs> uh, well, it's, it's great to hear that people find it easy to use. It's, it's uh, you know, I, I've played this to the game a lot during development, and some of the biggest work I had to do is sort of make the game easy uh, and design the game to get it to a point where anyone could pick it up. Um, uh, on how like how much time people spend uh, in the game, it definitely varies. Um, but on average, people seem to spend about twenty minutes uh, when, when they play a session of Cubism. Um, but I've seen, you know, I've done many many events uh, showing the game before COVID, obviously. Um, and you know, sometimes people would come by and, and like test the game uh, during an event and sort of sit there and. and you know, solve puzzles for an hour or something. And, you know, I'd have to like tap on the shoulder and say like, Hey, there's other people who would like to play. So like, I, I have seen people sort of getting gross to it and, and staying there for a long time. Um, but on average, it's, it's about 20 minutes. Uh. Getting users to test out your app is, it's not easy. So I, I totally understand, you know, did, did you try and get kind of a variety of different types of people kind of like right now with the COVID vac vaccine, they tried to get a swath of people from the general population was, was one of your intentions to have, you know, old and young, um, different genders, or was it just sort of happy to get <laughs> some people in headsets? <laughs> um, it's something I realized was important. I, I realized it was very important to get like a, um, a diverse set of people to test the game, especially if like, if your goal is to make the game simple, it's something you need to look out for. Um, and it was a mistake I made at first, I think, um, because the first year or so of the project, um, I was mainly testing the game um, at you know game developer events or uh, uh, events where people are VR enthusiasts or very familiar with games. So I was mainly testing it with people who are very literate with game controls. Um, and early versions of the game actually use almost every button on the controller uh, and the game would start with this tutorial that would walk you through each button and like each function and so people familiar with controllers or familiar with uh, learning controls of uh, controllers would sort of breeze through it and get to the game um, so i didn't see any issue with it but it was only during um, an event uh, that was a bit more family oriented where i was uh, able to sort of um, you know, you had like a bunch of uh, kids and teens who were playing games, but then like their parents that came with them would also try the game. And I would see consistently people struggle with this tutorial and with the controllers. And it was only then that I realized like, oh, actually it's really important to sort of test with the non-gamers and um, and see how they fare in the game and how quickly they can pick it up. And uh, that was sort of a starting point for me to like try to simplify the input scheme of the game. And uh, today, like in the, the version that's on the store, you can play the whole game with just the, the triggers. And the tutorial is maybe 10 seconds long. <laughs> like after you start a game, after a few seconds, you're already like solving your first puzzle. So it does seem to help um, with people who aren't too familiar with controllers. They only need to learn where the trigger or the grip button is and they can play the whole game. So um, Yeah, 
It's fantastic. I mean, I try and stay as a as a journalist or a reporter. I try and stay impartial, but it's hard for me to be impartial for this game. It, it's fantastic, <laughs> like I said, because I've seen more than a hundred kids in my classroom use it, and every single one of them doesn't have to, as you talked about, struggle with the controls because I'm trying to sort of set them into VR. And then I'm moving on and helping kind of the rest of the class do maybe something else related to what we're studying. And my hope is that, you know, they're in VR and they're on their own and they don't need much of my help. And not sadly, not all games can get them up and running so quickly. And so that's right. another sort of great thing about Cubism is it just... That's something I wanted to ask you about. Uh, so you put one one of your students in VR and then do something else with the others? Or do you find a way to like share what's inside of the headset with the other students? Like how um, how does what they do in, inside of the headset relate with the other people in the class? Yeah, we're on a... I'm a design teacher. I used to be a science teacher, but I'm a design teacher. So we're on right now... Um, uh, we're planning out, we're drawing models. So kids are learning different kinds of drawing, like orthographic versus isometric drawings. And so they're also modeling in Fusion 360, which is a 3D modeling program, what they're hoping to build or make in this design challenge. So I use Cubism for lots of things. One, because you know, it's 3D spatial orientation and understanding how different cubes need to be turned and orientated, which they can translate back on paper when they have to actually draw, like I said, different views or perspectives of what whatever it is they're building. And the other way I use it is it's applicable to most classes because it, it truly is problem solving. You know, it's puzzle based and, you know, thinking like, uh, a puzzle. That's why escape rooms became so popular in many cities around the world is because, you know, you, 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 it's a skill you want to pick up in education and get better at. And we found out that it is a muscle in the brain. And the more you practice something like uh, we call it systems thinking, the mm-hmm. better you get at understanding that, well, you know, if I do it this way. And then one more is it teaches kids to be gritty and resilient, you know, like, I see some kids, you know, that give up after like one minute because it doesn't come easy. Some of the ways that the cubes have to go together to fit the shape and that's good for them to struggle because kids need to feel kind of struggle and they need to hit a brick wall. And so the game sort of encapsulates all those things for me in the classroom. Yeah. Okay. That's, oh, that's great to hear. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. I also like that it's not, heavily gamified and you mentioned this earlier on but maybe i'll get you to sort of tease this out a little further some games you know have like a a leaderboard like you said or there's like a time factor to it or you know they can lose or win points depending on how well they put the puzzle together but Mm -hmm. you've stripped that down and you haven't gamified it like many and uh, can you talk about a little bit more about that again? Because I, I really find that to be beneficial as well. Yeah, of course. Um, you know, to be fair, at first, um, all those gamification systems are extra work. So at first, it was definitely like a, a practical <laughs> thing. Like, it's just easier to not build them. But as the game sort of progressed, um, I saw more and more that it just didn't fit the tone of the game. Um, that sort of the tone of the game is way better as like a, a relaxing game that just focuses on you and the puzzle and doesn't put 
any other strain on like or pressure on on you finding the solution to the the problem before you um so putting any of those systems in i feel would sort of be a detriment to the experience at this point um and it's interesting like the game is out now and i'm like thinking about updates and and uh, things i can add to the game but um no, almost nobody has asked for leaderboards. You know, <laughs> nobody's asked to like get a timer on the the puzzle or um, um, sort of see rankings of like how how well they did. So it's it's telling that sort of the the, the relaxing nature of the game uh, does seem to like resonate with people. So I think it was probably the right decision to like omit those systems. Um, the only thing I did add that is slightly rankable is when you finish the full full game, like all the puzzles. Uh, the game will tell you how long you took to <laughs> to finish the whole the whole thing, but that's the only time that you get sort of a, a an actual time on uh, how long it took you. And that's good analytics for you. I'm sure that data yeah. <laughs> you can pull out and you can sort of see sort of some of those analytics. And but yeah, it it was so timely. I was a few days ago before you and I connected for to do this interview. Uh, I saw a TED Talk, and I, I should have wrote down the name of the gentleman that did the TED Talk, but he basically had invented this dartboard where it was an AI system. So when you threw the dart, you could get a bullseye automatically because it had all these sort of motors and sort of AI screens that basically had followed the path of the dart, and ta-da, you had a bullseye. But his point to the TED Talk beyond that was – that he had sort of two systems of a game he had developed and one kind of like yours had no points whatsoever. And he tracked the number of times people after they failed in the game would go back and try again versus uh, a gamified system where there were points won and lost. And he found out that, you know, the non-gamified version actually motiv- motivated people more to, to, to hit the play button and try again than the heavily gamified version. Yeah, I, I imagine actually if, if Cubism was more gamified that um, people might do worse actually. Because, uh, I mean, there's there's a few ways to approach puzzles like this, right? Like um, either you can brute force and just trial and error until something clicks. And, and that can definitely work. But uh, I've at least tried to design the puzzles um, in a way that you can approach them with some deduction and reason. Um, so not being too pressured and actually taking the time to look at the, the shape and look at the pieces, I think usually helps people figure out, um, well, uh, tactics and systems to, like, get to a solution, right? Uh, and there's mm-hmm. there's several, right? Like, you can look at the symmetries of the, the puzzle shape. You can look at the, uh, the symmetries of the pieces. You can look for a piece that's most constraining and it can only go in, like, uh, several places. So there's a way to sort of reason your way through the, the, the puzzle. Um, but I think if, if there's a big timer on you or uh, there's a pressure to, to, do, uh, to find a solution fast... I think people would probably be incentivized to more quickly just throw uh, like uh, pieces into the shape, and um, maybe think less about sort of the their approach to the puzzle. And uh, I do wonder if if people would do worse. Mm. Educators that are progressive and listen to this will be salivating right now because you know that is a, a big push for education is to try and get kids to apply knowledge in different ways. We often call call it lateral thinking or sometimes even divergent thinking, which is, you know, thinking outside the box. And so the way you described it is, you know, brilliant, because like I said, I think 
you know, especially if you're going to buy a device like a VR headset, you want to be able to do things in the VR headset that maybe isn't possible in the real world or a lot easier in playing your game cubism where you get, you know, you, you allow kids not through brute force, as you said, but kind of in a flow state to play and think and deduce, you know, is, is just magical and well worth the value of a VR headset. So again, uh, I feel like a fanboy here, but uh, I really, <laughs> I really enjoy your uh, your application just for those things. Uh, thank you, Craig. I really appreciate it. And I mean, it's 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 great to hear um, that you know people like you are finding ways to like introduce this into classrooms, and it's it's definitely something I'm curious about, like how uh, a game like it could apply uh, uh, in education. So it's it's great to hear from people like you and, and how you're using it. Yeah. So. Tell us a little bit more, you know, you said this is a, a side job for you, more right. <laughs> was a passion project. And so do you have kind of long or short-term goals moving forward? You did allude to maybe constantly thinking about how you iterate the app, or maybe you've got sort of mm-hmm. some secret app on the uh, burner <laughs> right now that right. that you're just going to tease people with. Um, so so the development of, of Cubism was definitely mostly happened in, in my, my spare time and, and was definitely sort of the hobby project on the side. But as it got closer to release, it became more and more of like the second job, so to speak. Um, and, you know, what people don't tell you is that like after you launch a game, it, it can become a bit busier than before. <laughs> so um, I'm definitely feeling that uh, Cubism will take over a bit more of uh, my time uh, going forward because I do have a few um, updates I have sort of in the pipeline and things that I would like to do with the game. Um the, you know, the feature that a lot of people have been asking for is hand tracking. So I do want to uh, put some time into that and hopefully uh, we'll have an update with hand tracking support in the next year. Um, but I also want to um, start enabling people to make their own puzzles and mm. share their own puzzles. Um, there's a, an update in the works that should be out in a few weeks, uh, one or two weeks, hopefully. That is the first small step to that. Um, it sort of uh, allows you to put... So, so the puzzles in the game, they're basically described by this um, this JSON file, just like a, a data file. That is pretty, pretty readable. And so this update will allow you to put uh, a puzzle file in a folder uh, on the quest, and that will allow you to read sort of custom puzzles. So it's like a first small step. Um, hopefully down the line, I'll have a, an actual level editor in VR that will make these puzzle files as you like design the puzzles. Uh, and then hopefully it'll be easier for people to like start making their own uh, puzzles and sharing them. Um, uh, I've got goosebumps. So I've got Sorry <laughs> to interrupt you, but once again, oh, I can just I can just hear educators around the world saying yes, yes, and more <laughs> yes. So, I, I would love to see what people do with it. Yeah, yeah. And and since you said you were testing it with multiple kids, what you might like is that this update will also have multiple save files. Um, so it's only three. So. <laughs> If you have, uh, you mentioned you have like a, a few hundred students, that might still not be enough, but you'll at least be able to like switch to a new save file um, and not have to like clear progress. So you can uh, you can keep progress on one save file and then go to another one and then have somebody else uh, try the game. So it will hopefully make the game a bit easier to share with, with other people. Um, I, can't, but yeah. I can't take credit for this suggestion and maybe you're going to mention it, but... Uh, Lots of people have been mentioning either on SideQuest where they make comments about the game or also in the Oculus Store. And that is, of course, people wanting uh, a co-op or a multiplayer version. Right. <laughs> um, 
I think like almost any game in VR would be better with multiplayer, right? Like, uh, uh, I think VR is like almost. It's weird because you're very isolated in a headset, but I think because it's a it's like a spatial medium, we sort of expect it to be social uh, to an extent, right? Um, because uh, like real life is, is social, <laughs> and so it's it sort of seems natural that uh, two people could put on a headset and, and be together in, in the same experience. I think it would be interesting for a game like Cubism. Um, it's always more work than you think to like add multiplayer to an experience. Um, uh, I'll, I'll, you know, never say never. I'm not sure if it's going to happen, but it's 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 not a super high priority right now. But I would love to try it out because I do think it would be a lot of fun. And uh, I think uh, solving a puzzle together is. I, I I'd be interested to see how that like um, changes the changes the, the the gameplay. Yeah. The other thing that I thought of um, as an educator, you almost always instinctively try and think of what you're teaching and how it fits into the real world for kids. And so one thing that struck me almost as a, a background narrative is, you know, you think of uh, moving people. So like moving men where they have to grab boxes and unusual shapes and try and stuff it all into sort of the shape of a moving truck. And, you know, uh, a game like yours on steroids might have a narrative where, <laughs> you know, these, these cute little creatures pull up to a house or an apartment and they have to, you know, walk up and grab these unusually shaped cubes. And then the truck is sort of the shape that changes. And anyway, it was something <laughs> I, was, I was thinking of. Sounds like a lot of work to me. So maybe a sequel. Any, <laughs> yeah. Anything else that maybe wasn't said that uh, you think listeners might be interested in hearing about uh, what you're doing or about cubism? Yeah. Um, well, yeah. So if, if you want to try cubism, it's it's uh, it's on the Oculus Quest Store and on Steam VR as well. Um, and you know, stay tuned. There's definitely uh, a lot more updates uh, planned for the future. Um, so the other work that I've been doing, I've, I briefly mentioned it uh, early on, was um, you know I've been working for this startup called uh, Resolve, um, and maybe I'll just briefly talk a bit on, on what they do there. Uh, you know they're making software for architects and engineers, and making basically this collaborative uh, platform um, to allow people to who are building a building to review the building before it's built and sort of find issues while they're still digital before they're actually hitting the construction site. Um, so it's this, you know, really interesting um, uh, platform that that basically allows for remote work in sort of the construction industry and um, and sort of simplifies their their workflow. Um, and uh, is yeah, it, it's is it in three D or VR or three D spatial? Yeah, it's a VR product also. Yeah. Um, so it it's that's sort of the the power of it. Like you can be in VR with other people inside of the building that's not built yet. Um, and so it, it simplifies the conversation a little bit. Uh, it makes it a lot easier to be looking at the same problem and understand it in the same way. Um, and uh, yeah, so it's if people are interested in, in enterprise VR, that's also definitely uh, you know a company they should follow. And, uh, and is it compatible with you know? So many people might be familiar with SketchUp or Revit. Is it? Do you download a certain file type from those modeling programs? And then put it into Resolve. Is that how it works? Um, yeah, we're um, right now we're uh, we're very plugged into uh, a tool called BIM three hundred and sixty, which is uh, also um, a sort of a, a cloud hosting tool by by Autodesk, which can host any of these file types. Uh, and it's sort of um, 
it's a way that the construction professionals uh, sort of exchange these file formats and then collaborate. Uh, and you know, there's also like built-in issue tracking and things like this. And so right now we're, we're especially plugged into this system where we pull down uh, 3D models from, from BIM360 into uh, our VR application. So uh, BIM360 supports SketchUp, Revit, Navisworks, uh, all these uh, standard 3D files. Sounds fantastic. Hey, if people wanted to get a hold of you to ask more questions or just say what a fantastic job you're doing, uh, how would they go about doing that? Sure thing. Um, so the best place to keep up with what I'm doing is uh, on my Twitter. It's at um, Uh So that's T-O-V-N-B-O. Um, it used to be my full name with the, that strange last name, but <laughs> I simplified <laughs> it just to make it easier to pronounce. Um, so yeah, just follow me there and, and you can keep up with uh, whatever I'm doing. Awesome, Thomas. If you hang on the line after uh, I end this, we can just do a quick debrief and chat. But thank you so much for coming on the show. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me on, Craig. Bye for now. Bye.